Welcome to episode number 18. In this episode, we have Tim Reagan as our guest. Tim is the owner of Career Constructors, and he's going to give you seven steps to future-proof your career. Stay tuned. So the big question is, how do ambitious people like us, who grew up listening to the old advice of go to school, work hard for 40 years, and retire when you're old, create a life today that is meaningful, abundant, healthy, and brings joy, while also leading a life that is productive and full of achievement? That is the question, and this is the podcast that will help give you the answers that you're searching for. My name is Del Denny, and welcome to the Upgrade Your Life podcast. All right, Tim, welcome to the Upgrade Your Life podcast. I'm excited to have you on. You're a wealth of knowledge. We spoke before this interview where we've got a a seven-step process that we're going to talk about for future-proofing our career. But before we get into that, Tim, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much, Del, for for inviting me. It's, uh, It's a pleasure to be here. So Tim, tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, as who you are, how, where you come from, how did you get to this point? What are we going to talk about? Lay it on us. All right. Well, thanks. Um, so I, uh, I come to, uh, I come to this spot in, in probably a bit of a non-traditional way. Uh, I spent 20 odd years in the high tech industry, loved, uh, loved it and jumped around a lot. I, I tend to get bored easily and I'm always intrigued by, uh, you know what's on the other side of the uh, what's on the other side of the fence, as it were, and so in the or in in twenty years, I moved around a lot inside organizations and also across multiple uh, global companies, and had the pleasure of doing a couple of international stints and lots and lots of of really different things. So I I accumulated a wealth of experience, was fascinated by it all, and what. What always intrigued me was how the pieces all work together. So I, I tend to be much more of a, a systems guy. I'm an engineer by training, fell in love with business, went back to school to do an MBA at, at some point in my career. Um, so that was kind of my first 20 years in, in the career space. And after that, I sort of thought, okay, I, I want to go and put this, uh, I want to put all this knowledge and skills um, and, and go and do some things that I really want to do. So I left the, I left the employment world, the traditional employment world, and, uh, and then spent the next 15 plus years as what I call a free agent. So, you know, people, we, we know ourselves as independents, solo, solopreneurs, consultants, contractors, freelancers. We go by a whole bunch of different names. Uh, so I spent 15, uh, 15 plus years doing that. And again, um, accumulated another sort of wealth of, of, uh, of experiences. And I worked with probably about 100 different companies uh, doing all sorts of business modeling and strategic alignment, uh, things which I had done a lot of in the, in the corporate world. And, um, and what actually taught at the university for a number of years uh, in business process redesign and marketing and business strategy and a bunch of other things. Uh, co-authored a couple of books, bought a company. So uh, what was a fascinating path was, was uh, and for me, who, as I said earlier, I, I kind of get bored easily and I like to always be trying new things. You know, there was a wealth of new experiences. But one of the things that I realized, Dell, is as I was, you know, as I was going through all of this, is I realized, geez, you know, knowing what I know now about the, about the world, um, we're all going to be on that kind of a path. We're all going to be challenged with, um, with essentially 
being forced to become free agents at some point in our career, whether we want to or not. And, and you don't have to look very far to see the disruption in our, in our traditional um, uh, employee employment world. Uh, you know, just think of new technologies, think of disruptive business models, think of what Amazon's doing to the, to the retail high street, think of what, uh, um, what Facebook has done to the media industry, journalism, um, what Airbnb is doing to the hotel industry. So all of these new, fascinating, disruptive business models that are all driven by this, you know, global internet. You and I can com communicate with anybody in the world for effectively free or for the cost of our internet service on a monthly basis with all kinds of free or very, very low-cost tools. Um, so the whole nature of how one goes about building a business uh, is changing. And also the, the, the actual structural employment is changing dramatically. And so, you know, I was in the, what I took away from the 20 years in the, in the technology industry and I was kind of at the leading edge of a lot of fast-moving technologies, is, wow, things are moving very, very quickly. A lot of these technologies are massively disruptive. We are learning how to automate um, roles faster and faster. We're unleashing artificial intelligence. Uh, we can outsource anywhere in the world. So all of that means that there's massive structural implications on our traditional employment, and that means that people need to develop much better what I've called career management skills and what we're talking about today, the, the whole future proofing thing. So how does, you know, if I'm suddenly uh, lose my job and it's difficult to find another job and I need to, to now put my, my shingle out and say, hey, I'm going to be self-employed and I'm going to uh, convince people to pay me money to do something. Um, we don't really have very good roadmaps for how to do that. And that's what I've been working on over the last couple of years as I've sort of put these ideas together and said, how do I take all of the lessons and that I've you know, sort of learned through uh, the, the school of hard knocks, how do I put those into some sort of a structured way to help people navigate the, this, you know, this kind of new, um, you know, new pathway, if you will, the, the whole free agent notion or, or being an independent? Um, you shouldn't have to struggle for 15 years to learn everything that I've had to learn. Can we squeeze that down into four or five years? Can we make it a little bit easier for people? So that's really what I've been sort of focused on for the last bit. I love it. I, I, it reminds me of a quote that says, a, a smart person learns from their own mistakes. A wise person learns from the mistakes of others. And you have a wealth of knowledge, years of experience here. And I'm, I'm excited because of that path that you talked about that you can help lead us down. And you made a good point of, you know, sometimes technology disrupts a career space. Sometimes the market, you know, a recession might come, uh, could cause job loss. And so this is why this is such an important topic of how do we future proof ourselves uh, for the for a life that, you know, how to not just survive, but thrive in an age of disruption. So what are the you have seven steps that you can help lead us down, help future proof us. So. Uh, can you give us uh, give us those steps? Um, absolutely, uh, be my pleasure. So, so the first step, and and for anybody who's already self employed, this you know this step is comes naturally. But the first step is actually to take ownership of your career. 
And, you know, that almost sounds ridiculous. Like, well, of course you have to own your career. Who else is going to own your career? But when you look at how people operate in uh, their, you know, in, in traditional employment and even sometimes in, uh, as, as independents, you know, we tend to sort of think all these different rules apply. I can only charge so much for this service because that's what the going rate is. I've got to be competitive with, with everybody else. And if I'm in, and if I'm in a traditional um, employment role, uh, there is a, a huge number of people who believe, and, and they are unfortunately told by organizations that, you know, the organization cares, cares and, and loves them and wants to nurture them and, and will develop them. Uh, unfortunately, that doesn't tend to be the, the, the truth in most cases. And at the end of the day, I, there, I have a saying that I, um, uh, organizations often will say things like, people are our greatest asset. And what I like to remind people of is to say, well, you know, that is true as far as it goes, but it's only sort of a half truth. And if that statement, if people heard that statement in its totality, it would sound more like this. People are our greatest asset, comma, until they become a liability, at which point we can't get them off the payroll fast enough. And, you know, that's a whole different concept. So what? So the first step in all of this is you need to take ownership. And that means that you need to say, okay, there is no one out there that cares more about my career than I do. And that means that I need to understand what are, you know, what are my opportunities? What is it that's important to me? What does success look like? Um, what am I willing to put up with? What am I not willing to put up with? How do I know when I'm not being satisfied? What actions am I going to take? So just that whole notion of taking ownership and we we call that in in this uh um in my world i've 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 coined this phrase of the platform of me so what you see out there in the in the the world is everybody's a platform facebook is a platform google's a platform amazon is platform so taking that sort of language what does the platform of me look like what does the platform of dell look like Um, And the nice thing about that is it can be a whole combination of things. So it can be, yes, maybe some, uh, you know, a bunch of time that you're giving us um, in a traditional employment, you know, you're, 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 you're renting 40 hours a week of your time to a company, um, but you can be doing things on the side. You can be, uh, testing and experimenting with uh, with new approaches, you might be doing some gigs on the side. So just to, to just to even think about yourself as your own platform, and then say, okay, I've got effectively a hundred productive hours a week. What am I investing in, and for what reason? What does my definition of success look like, and how do I, you know, manage and grow my platform accordingly? Mm. I love that. So where does, so once we take that ownership, where do we go from there? Well, so the second, the second big chunk, once you've sort of taken that ownership piece, to my mind, the second big chunk is now, how do I, I mentioned this hundred hours of of productive time a week. When you think about, you know, every human being has 168 hours a a week. You know, that's, that's a given. Nobody gets more than that. And uh, you can't apparently buy time. Um, so 168 hours, and if you strip away the, you know, the amount of time that you need to be sleeping and showering and eating and, you know, just taking care of the basics, you're down to, you know, more or less about 100 hours. So here's the question. How do I get the most value out of that 100 hours? How do I become my best productive person? And again, this is not to say that, you know, you shouldn't be watching Netflix or you shouldn't be doing this or get off Facebook or whatever. You have to decide for yourself, 
um, given what your definition of success is, how you want to invest those hundred hours. And so what I, what, what I really believe in and what I do with a lot of my business clients and what I do with myself is, is what I call a weekly heartbeat. So step two is really about developing and monitoring your weekly heartbeat. And, and really what that says is what can I do in a week, in any given week? And, and, you know, just like, um, you know, just like we have, have, uh, have heartbeats. I believe that sort of your work, your, your, your platform has a heartbeat and, and a week is a really good time because as you know, Dell, in a, in a week, um, you know, I, you know, things can go, everything can go to hell in a handbasket because some emergency happens or what happened or whatever. So I can lose a week fairly easily. Um, but then I can come back at it the next week and say, whoa, hold it. You know, last week was a bit of a disaster because X, Y, and Z happened, but okay, now I'm going to, um, you know, hunker down and I'm going to, what it, I'm going to get back on track for this week. So the reason why I like a week is because a day is almost too granular. A, a day is just a set of activities and you're following your to-do list and the phone rings and your interrupt drawing. A month is much too long. If I lose a month, that's, you know, that's a big chunk of my year. If I lose a week, I can recover the week reasonably gracefully by, by hunkering down the next week. So I love the idea of a weekly heartbeat. And in the weekly heartbeat, it says, and what we, um, in, a, in, a, um, uh, in a community that I've developed called the Free Agent Collective, what we do is we create something that we call the one big thing. Uh, what's the one big thing for this week that is going to frame um, what I'm trying to accomplish? And it doesn't have to be a professional goal. It might be a personal goal. If you're you know, really busy at work and, and you're finding it's very difficult to, to get, uh, you know, to get back home for dinner, your one big thing might be, I'm going to make it for six o'clock dinner, three, three nights this week, or I'm going to make sure that I uh, am there uh, present for the kids basketball game on Saturday. So the one big thing doesn't have to be a pro professional goal. Um, but it could well be, it could be, I'm going to get that, that contract written, or I'm going to get that proposal developed, or I'm going to get my, uh, my value proposition tightened up. And um, so in this, in this, uh, the free agent collective, what we do is we share our one big thing with each other, and that helps to drive our accountability to it. And what's nice about a one big thing is, is rather than have the 27 different items on your to-do list and multiple to-do lists, and, you know, at the end of the week, you kind of say, okay, I've, I've been super busy all week, but what have I got done? The one big thing tends to theme your week. So what have... Um, you know, did I, my, my one big thing was to accomplish, uh, was to get my website, uh, uh, my website updates done. And, you know, yeah, there's a whole bunch of, of uh, action items of to-do steps that are in that theme, but generally on that theme, how well did I advance it? And so that tends to keep you out of the weeds and it tends to keep you uh, more oriented around accomplishing something that has a, a outcome that is important to you. Gotcha. So once we develop that, that heartbeat and we get our one thing established, uh, what's the next step? Well, so now the next step, and this is, this is possibly the hardest is what is it that you're all about? What, it, you know, what is, uh, 
what is your compelling value proposition? So this is, uh, and this is very critical for uh, uh, if you are self-employed because you know basically you're out selling something. What is it that you're selling? And are you selling your highest value proposition or are you basically presenting yourself as kind of a, a, a tool bag and saying, hey, I can do all kinds of things. Just ask me. I can do this. I can do that. I can do the other thing. Because generally, if you're undifferentiated like that, um, it's it's very difficult to 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 uh, rise above the noise level. It's very difficult to to uh, be known and to become known for some specific thing. Now, this is also true even as an employee, because um, as an employee, what you want to be is you want to be known for um, you know what is the what are the sets of problems that I solve that I am uh, if not uniquely qualified to solve. I am extremely capable of solving. And more importantly, it's not just that I solve them well, but it's that this is purposeful to me. I, I actually get excitement from doing this. You know, when I wake up and, and we always we always talk about the, the the concept that if you, you know, if you love what you're doing, it work it never feels like work because you, you wake up in the morning and you can't wait to get to, to the office or wherever it is that you, you apply your trade because you get to work on things that that you find fun, fascinating, that you're passionate about, that you find purposeful, uh, that fulfill you. So the the concept of the what is your compelling value proposition, what is your highest value story how do you create the most value and for who and for what in what situations that now starts to frame up the kind of work you want to be doing that you want to be known for and where uh, where you really start to come alive so it's the alignment of in many it, it's the alignment of how you're actually wired to work uh, the experiences and uh, education that you've had in the past, uh, what your values and belief systems are. When you start to when you start to align all of those things, you're now talking about um, a very very powerful uh, intersection where you say, "Look, these are the kinds of roles that absolutely fascinate me." that I always am going to be my the biggest critic of my own work because no matter how good I am, I want to improve. I, I, I see myself as, as being a student of this problem or this set of problems. And this is where I, this is the reading that I do uh, when I'm not you know, busy doing those projects. These are the kinds of people I love to talk to. This is the area, this is my, um, my wheelhouse and in this wheelhouse, I want to be the best I can possibly be. When you're able to articulate that, um, people pay attention because, wow, you're passionate. Uh, you, you, you really know a lot about this. And, hey, if we got that kind of a problem, wouldn't you love to have somebody that solves that sort of problem when you're facing that kind of problem? So that's the, the notion is, is really getting clear about the, the, the set of problems that you love to solve, that you want to uh, really strive to improve on all the time, and that are that, that uh, identifying who solving those problems, who you can solve those problems for, or that will you know pay you a fair, uh, a, a fair you know compensate you fairly for solving these important problems. Gotcha. So, all right. So I'm with you on this. So we, we stand out from the crowd. We get a little bit better here and we get our niche going. Where do we go from there? 
Well, and, and here's the challenge is at this point, we haven't stood up from the crowd. We've only started to get clear ourselves on what makes us, um, you know, what we really are going to niche down on and why we're going to niche down on it and, and what makes us so, so great. Then you need to go and actually tell people that. So this is all about um, the, the next couple of steps are all really about getting good at sharing that story. And one of the, one of the fascinating things in, uh, uh, in networking, um, and, and especially when people are, are looking for jobs, is what will often happen uh, is that somebody will say, well, I, I'm, I've done five different things in my life. I've been a project manager, a project manager. I've done some marketing communications. I've done this, I've done that. And oftentimes what what people will then do is they will create five different stories. So these become their CVs. Uh, and now I'm pursuing five different kinds of roles. Uh, and I have five very different stories. And then, then when I go out and try to network, it's very, very difficult because when I don't know someone, when I meet you for the first time, either online or at a, at a physical event, and you say, hey, Tim, you know, nice to meet you. What do you do? Well, I start kind of stumbling around because, geez, should I tell Dell the project management story or the product management story or maybe the marketing communication story? Because I don't really know what you do and I don't know what excites you and I don't know, you know, I don't know what story to tell you. And, and that's the real challenge for people and that shuts us down in our networking and it tends to make us very confused. If, however, you've spent the time to really get clear on what you're all about, how those five, five or six different skill areas come together in a higher value story, it's now easy to, to, to talk with you because I only have one thing to tell you, Dale. I am absolutely fascinated by helping uh, individuals and organizations uh, uh, construct and turbocharge their economic engines. And I tell you something like that. And that's, first of all, it's, you know, it's a single concept. And now, that, now there's room for you to say, oh, you know, that sounds interesting. Or what do you mean by economic engines? Or do you work with these kinds of, with these kinds of people? So the, the concept of this is now that there's a, you know, we call this the tagline. We call this the elevator pitch. We call this a bunch of different things. The point is I don't have a bunch of them and I'm trying to figure out which one to use. I've now got one story. I'm practicing it. I'm honing it, uh, I'm sharing it, and I'm getting a lot of feedback in real time from people I meet, and that's going to help improve my own confidence in sharing that story, in sharing that, uh, you know, this is how I add value. Um, and, and all of that feedback, one of the things about humans is that we, we learn and we grow through feedback. And so now I'm incorporating the feedback, that's going to help me hone my story, and also, the more that my story is truly authentic, uh, because I did all of that work in the earlier step of, of really understanding how I bring together, um, you know, my value system and my capabilities and my the way I'm wired, is I grow more and more confident in telling that story. And so all of that has a very positive effect on networking and on, on being able to share concisely and uh, in an engaging manner, what it is, the kinds of opportunities I'm looking for. And the better that I can share that with, the easier it is going to be for you to say, oh, well, that's not me. But actually, it sound, you sound a lot like my brother-in-law, uh, because he's constantly talking about how the economics of his business are, are crap. And he really, you know, so maybe would you like to connect up with him? And that's how, that's how human connection works.
Mm, I got you. I got you. All right. So we we established that story because people learn by stories and it's so important. I know for years I've struggled with telling people what I did for a living. So I get that. Um, so where do we go from there? Well, and then um, really it, it's kind of a continuation of this. And this is coming back to the idea of, of um, you know, the world in a disruptive world. We as humans need to be a lot more curious about our about our um, external uh, world. So uh, one of the things that comes out of networking and comes out of of engaging with people and being proactive in that is also opening up to be curious and asking a lot better questions about what's going on in the world around you. So as an example, in in my networking, I. If I'm curious about what the other person is going is is doing and where they're coming from, I've got an opportunity not just to connect up with them because generally what what's interesting is the conversations we remember and the people we think are great conversationalists are the people that let us talk about ourselves. Mm. And so if you can now if you can now flip it over a quick introduction, hey, this is me, this is what I'm pa- passionate about, but I want to know about you. And you start telling me chapter and verse about what's you know bugging you or what you're interested in or where you're going. And I'm curious and I'm asking a lot of questions. You're going to re- there's there's two great things about this. You're going to remember me as an authentic person, you know, fun to talk to and and you know want to develop a relationship. But the other thing is I'm now learning an awful lot from you. I'm learning your perspectives on you know the tools that you use or what bugs you in your organization or the challenges you're having here, there, and everywhere. And as we're as we're more curious and opening ourselves up, we're going to learn more about you know, the world around us. And my contention with how fast things are moving is, and remember, I'm a technologist. So, you know, for the first number of years, I tried to stay on top of all the technology, but it's, things are moving so quickly and so different in so many different dimensions that I don't, nobody, nobody can, can stay on top of everything. So what you really need to, to um, be open to is the, the, the clues around you as to how your environment is shifting and be curious and, and open to those things so that you just, so that you just have to see, um, you know, you want to see things that are evolving a little bit faster than maybe the marketplace is seeing them because that's going to give you the edge of starting to say, Hey, there's, you know, I've, in the last couple of conversations, a couple of people have mentioned this new tool I've never heard of. And so I'm going to go and I'm going to spend a few minutes investigating that. And maybe that's going to lead me to, to seeing this new business or this new, um, you know, opening in the market. And again, as a self-employed person, maybe that's going to enhance, I'm going to find a way to enhance my own value proposition um, by either engaging with that, with that new tool or learning what that's going to, how that's going to impact and just being a little bit ahead of, um, you know, of, of, of how things are moving. Because the biggest challenge is, uh, the biggest challenge, I believe, is not the, the, the fact that the world's quite disruptive. It's when you're, caught, when you're caught off guard by that disruption, and the first thing you do is go into a state of denial, and you lose very valuable time. So if you're open to these things, if you're if you're being curious, if you're trying to take in as much information of the, uh, around the uh, around your you know the space that you operate, um, you're going to be more open and a little and and more uh, agile as the world shifts around you. Uh, Tim, I love this framework that you have set up for us here because that curiosity is something that I know has helped me out in my career. 
but I, I didn't realize that that was an important part of my career. So I love where we're going with this. Wh- where do we go from there? So after this curiosity and uh, what's the next step? So, so now we're getting to the point where in, in all of your, uh, your networking, your conversations, the, the curiosity, all of these things are percolating up and creating opportunities for you to either learn or to collaborate or to uh, you know, potentially pitch your own product and services uh, in terms of prospecting, in terms of, of uh, uh, statements of work, those kinds of things. So the next step is really to, to build and manage what I call an opportunity pipeline. And, and all this really says is, is that you're just going to formalize some of those conversations. Or when, when I come away from this conversation and say, geez, Dell mentioned such and such, it might, you know, what, what maybe I need to do now is capture that idea in my opportunity pipeline and commit a little bit of time. I'm going to, you know, Dell mentioned this new tool or this new, uh, this new thing that he had seen, which seemed like it might intersect and, and might be interesting for me to know. I, I want to at least know something about it. So that's now on my opportunity pipeline, perhaps as a, as a piece of research uh, or a, a new uh, prospect that I might want to reach out to or what have you. So it's really just about having a formalized way of taking all these things that are churning around and that, and that you're, you know, you're, you're poking and prodding and, and, you know, you're trying in all of this process, you're trying to develop opportunities for your own growth and for your own professional success. And so the, the formalized opportunity pipeline is just to make sure that you're not, um, you know, that you're putting these things in, that you're doing a certain amount of, of, uh, of, of structured work or structured thinking about them, um, but also that you're churning through them very quickly and that you're not letting, uh, you know, that you're not letting them sit there and kind of uh, clog up the works. So let me give you an example. In, in, uh, in the world of business, often what happens in, uh, with sales teams is sales teams will have these, you know, and they have sales pipelines or, or opportunity pipelines, exactly what we're talking about here. But often what they'll what will happen is, um, you know, I, I heard when that, that, that this client or potential a prospect uh, has a, you know, million dollar opportunity. Um, and uh, so I put it on my pipeline. Everybody's jazzed about it. I'm showing it as a million dollar opportunity at some kind of rating factor. Um, but the thing is, I don't, I, I'm often as a, as a salesperson, the, 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 the the less mature salespeople will not go and poke and prod at that because they're worried that the million dollar opportunity will go away. So I keep it on the pipeline well beyond uh, anything that, that's reasonable because if I go and poke and prod, I might discover that there is no budget. The, the, the person that I spoke to that I thought was a decision maker really isn't. Um, yes, they had it in the budget, but there's a new management and so they've taken that off. They've pushed that out. They've already given it to someone else. Whatever the case is, and, and, and what always surprised me in, in uh, business is how few salespeople percentage-wise are actually willing to go and push and prod because, you know, they are, the, the really good salespeople are quick to qualify both in and out because if that million-dollar opportunity isn't real, I want to get it off of the pipeline. I want to get it out of my brain. I want to reserve that space for something that is, re- that is real. 
Okay, um, and so it's the same thing in the in these in when I'm talking about the opportunity pipeline here. Don't you know if if there's a bunch of people that you've that you've pinged and said, hey, let's set up a, a lunch or a Zoom call or what have you, and they're not responding. You don't want to just leave them there because now they're clogging up your brain in, in many respects. They're clogging up your 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 opportunity pipeline. So we want to be you know reasonably quick to turn them in and out. So you've got to have some rules about uh, you know how many times do I ping somebody before I give up on the opportunity or before I move it out of my pipeline and, and you know, put it forward three months or six months in my, uh, in my book. So it's the same process that salespeople have been using forever, but it's all about the discipline of making sure that you're, uh, that you're churning through, that you're touching these things, that you're researching them, and that you're quick to qualify them in or out uh, or to, to help them develop to the next stage. And and again, as a, as a self-employed person or as, a, as somebody that's just managing your career, those opportunities could be new network connections. They could be opportunities to collaborate. They might be opportunities to do something where you're learning a new skill. So maybe you're sort of saying, hey, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm working for a company, but I want, to, I want to develop my public speaking skills. So I'm going to start actively looking for opportunities to uh, you know, to be a public speaker, or to to go to that conference. So that that's the whole notion of the opportunity pipeline is just, is to have a structured way of taking all these myriad of things that that are coming out of your conversations and figuring out what what is the next step and 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 how do they advance your your idea of success and what do you want to evolve them into and when do you remove them so they don't become distractions. Gotcha. So that's the sixth step is we're building and we're managing our opportunity pipeline. And so once we do that in the seven step framework, what's the seventh step? Well, and the seventh step is, uh, is really the culmination and, and it is, it's fundamentally that um, it's to have a trusted support community that you can, uh, you know, that you can engage with. And that can help help you to be accountable to you know doing the work you need to be doing, but also supportive and um, and helping you sharpen your skills. So you know, and and many many small businesses will have boards of advisors uh, or. Uh, um, yeah, sorry, we'll, we'll have boards of advisors. But but what's interesting is is most self-employed people don't think that way. We might have a couple of buddies that uh, we get together and we, you know, we shoot, a, shoot the, uh, as it were, we, we talk about the business, we talk about the opportunities, uh, but it's, it's pretty unstructured. And it's not necessarily, you know, if I'm talking to my two or three buddies about, uh, about but some challenges I'm having at work or what I should do with this proposal. Um, you know, they may provide me some really good feedback, uh, but it's, it's quite possible that they've actually not done those kinds of things before. Maybe they're not self-employed. They haven't run a small business. So, you know, it, it's nice that I get their advice, but is their advice actually uh, coming from a, from a position of, or from a background of relevance to the, the issues I'm having? And, and even, even if you think about employees, because this is all about future-proofing your career, uh, even as a traditional employee working for someone else, here's the question, Dell, and, you know, who do I, who can I talk to um, to process that weird conversation I just had with my boss or with a coworker? Because if I'm having that conversation and I'm sharing that around the water cooler at the office 
Well, there's a pretty good chance that's now just going to turn into part of the gossip. And who knows where it's going to go from there. If I want to process that weird conversation that I just had with my boss or a coworker and I go to HR, am I really 100% convinced that that information is not getting back to management? Um, and, and this is where I, you know, the, what I would take away from my career is, is um, what I was, what I didn't have that I think I could have really benefited from was a, was an independent sounding board that says, Hey, I, I've got these things I want to process. So the question becomes, who do we process all of this with? And some of us have informal sounding boards and we do it sporadically. And, you know, maybe we have that conversation here or there, but as more and more of us are self become self-employed as more and more of us work from home. Uh, and, you know, and that's, that's a huge trend. We're more and more isolated. Um, and even if I go to the, to the local coffee shop and I hang around the coffee shop, it's not the same level of, um, it's not the same level of support and accountability that I can count on from a, a you know, from some community that's been structured uh, specifically for that. And what's really important in getting a support community, whether they are, you know, friends and family or whether they are, uh, you know, an independent board is um, two things. One is I want the, I want my advisors to allow me to dream in technicolor but at the same time, I want them to um, really kick me in the butt to, f- to force my feet into the fire to be accountable for my dreams. So what I mean by that is it's not, it's, not, it's not good enough and it's not very helpful if you just have somebody who every time you say, hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to create a billion-dollar business and everyone goes, hey, yeah, go for it. That's great. Live your dream. That's terrific, but the follow-up conversation should then be, okay, tell me how you're going to do that. What's the step you're going to take this week to start to bring that to reality? What does the plan look like? Do you have a 90-day plan? Do you have an a annual plan? Do you have a business model? Do you, you know, what's, the, what's the actual work of turning your dream into reality and operationalizing it? And so that's what you need from a, from a really effective board of advisors, is you need people that are willing to, to support you in, the, in your dream, but also that say, great, but now you need to do the hard work and you need to be accountable for it. How can we help you do that? So, so to me, that's a, to me, that's a really critical piece because if we don't have that, then we often are just kind of flailing around on our own, uh, or we're taking advice ad, you know, from ad hoc um, people that we can chat with that, and, and the advice may or may not be useful and relevant, and it might not come from, it doesn't necessarily come from a position of somebody who solved the problem before we really, you know, and and what's interesting in in running your own business and, uh, and being independent is none of these are new problems. Somebody somewhere has solved these problems before. So how do you tap into that um, to really, uh, you know, accelerate your own success? That's something that I've always struggled with was trying to find a community of people, like-minded people that thought the same way as me because I'm self-employed. I'm an entrepreneur and there is a good amount of people out there that are the same way, but it, it's time to it, it's hard to find that tribe so to speak and that's something that that I've always been impressed with you Tim is you know you've been able to really put a community of people together for that uh, called the free agent collective can you tell us a little bit about what you do and, and how you help you know people like me 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I'm really excited by this. I, I just launched it about four or five months ago. And, uh, and really, it is intended to be that. So it's a group of, it's a group of self-employed professionals. And we come together. And all of the things that we've talked about here, we do. So the weekly heartbeat is our, is our own ritual, where we do the one big thing on, on you know, every Sunday. And, and the idea is just in a very quick, in a very quick um, routine, we are able to sort of say, here's what I'm committed to, you know, here's what I'm focused on for the week. We can get some feedback, we can do some process, uh, some process issues, sort of some issue processing. So, you know, one of our members might, might say, hey, I've got this challenge. Uh, and so, you know, in, in 15 or 20 minutes, you can process through some issues. The challenge with a lot of the board of, of advisors that I've been um, a member of and uh, participant of um, is that they they meet more infrequently. So instead of the weekly heartbeat that I'm talking about, you know, we might meet on a monthly basis, and, and you tend to spend more, you know, three or four hours one night a week, um, typically, you know, face to face. Uh, and so it's good, but life happens more quickly, at least in my world, than once a month. So I want I wanted to take that same model but say, how do I break it down into a weekly process where we can get together weekly, do a very you know very sort of structured way because we you know it, it, there's not a lot of time and we don't want to waste a lot of time, um, but we want to quickly. Uh, quickly go through a check-in, figure out how people are doing, uh, jump on any issues, do some deep skill uh, um, updates, if, if, uh, you know, some what I call deep dives and, and skilling issues that are relevant to, uh, you know, to, to self-employed people. And then, you know, sort of jump off the call and get back to our, to our busy lives. The other thing that, that I'm building into the Free Agent Collective which is really important to me is the diversity. So the common element is everybody is self-employed. However, um, we come from all different self-employment uh, worlds. So uh, we've got videographers, we've got web designers, we've got market researchers, we've got strategy consultants, we've got project managers. And the idea is is that one of the one of the things I, I believe strongly is that we've we've put ourselves in such deep silos in our organizations and in our, in our associations and in our communities um, that we, we, get the deep, we get the deep skilling work, but we miss the diversity of thought that comes from people who have solved similar problems, but for different industries in different ways. So, you know, the question becomes, what can I learn from a videographer in terms of how they manage um, their proposals or their clients versus how I manage my clients, um, what can I learn from uh, from somebody who's who deals with maybe different types of clients than I do, but they're still trying to sell their services or they're still trying to figure out their price points. So I'm uh, I want to build a, a nice diverse group of people where we start to learn, um, you know, we start to learn what what other people have done successfully in other markets and in other industries and in and and with other skill sets and we look for the opportunities where i can learn from that we already have lots and lots of of you know deep skilled um very very well-defined uh groups so for instance if i'm an accountant uh and i hang around with all a bunch of other accountants um we're going to go really deep on the tax code. We're going to go deep on accounting software. We're going to go deep on specific issues for accountants, which is all good. But where do I learn from people that are not accountants that maybe have tackled a problem in a different way and that have a perspective that I that 
could be very valuable to me, um, but I'm never going to hear it because I'm only talking to accountants. So that's one of the things that I really am excited about in the Free Agent Collective is getting a diverse group of people together. The common element is we're we you know we're all in we're all out there trying to make business happen on our own. So there is a common framework, but man, we have a lot of opportunities to learn from each other because because we're solving the same problem, but in different ways for different industries. And there's an awful lot of cross-pollination that can happen. Mm -hmm. I like that. All right, Tim, I've got a question for you. And I ask every single one of our guests on the show this question. It's kind of an introspection question. It goes like this. If you could turn back time and talk to your 18-year-old self, what advice would you give yourself for reaching your full potential? Oh, oh, great question. Here's the here's the the area that I would focus on. I think is I would try to tell my 18 year old self um, to be less uh, to worry less about structured learning. You know the the academia, the the university degree, the the high school, all of the curriculum based learning, and that actually learning was through uh, rapid experimentation and being okay. I, it's interesting. We we talk a lot about uh, about you know fail. We should all be you know we should all be much more comfortable failing and, and learning by failure. I don't like the word failure because it, it it's negative and it's negative for a reason. Nobody wants to fail. But I I think and this is as an engineer is is but we all need to experiment more and clear and part of experimentation is that you fail many 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 times before you actually succeed but the point of, a, of an experiment is it's a it's a bounded experiment you keep adjusting you know one thing you keep everything else constant um, and and so ultimately you're learning so I think I'd tell my 18 year old self to be um, to be less concerned with the way institutions want you to learn and to be way more open to getting involved trying new things experimenting and being okay with discovering that a lot of the things that you touch and play with and don't work out that the, the best way to find out whether or not you're uh, suitable for something is to, to jump in with both feet and try it for a bit and that none of these are life-threatening decisions that if it doesn't work you can always you know you can always back away um, so so a little a lot more um, I'd like my 18 year old self to be a lot more willing to uh, to do things that are important to them rather than to follow the crowd and do what the institutions are saying is the, the path to success. Um, because I truly believe that that you know that those paths are less and less successful and a lot more of it now is figuring out for yourself what's important to you and and you know accessing the tools to make it happen so that that would be the advice to my 18 year old self i'm, I'm pretty sure that at 18 year i wouldn't have listened to me though <laughs> uh, that that's the tough tough part right there uh tim i love this seven part framework uh how can we get in contact with you how can we get in touch with you uh, so uh, thank you. That a couple of uh, a couple of ways. So uh, my my company is called Career Constructors. So the website is uh, you know careerconstructors.com. And in fact, the 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 guide that we've been talking about, the seven step, um, the future proof your career guide, is available at careerconstructors.com backslash double uh, FP guide. 
That's Future Proof Guide, all one word. Um, on Facebook, if you if you uh, go to the Free Agent Collective, if you select uh, or uh, search on Free Agent Collective, you'll come to my my Facebook page, and there there's contact details for me and, and emails, uh, and um, that's that probably and and of course on LinkedIn the same thing. Uh, Tim Reagan. R-A-G-A-N, first name Tim. So you can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, or go to the go to the website URL that I mentioned. Fantastic. And I'll also include that in the show notes for uh, anybody that's actively searching out for Tim here. So Tim, hey, I appreciate you for coming on to the Upgrade Your Life podcast. I love this seven-step framework. Again, if you want that PDF, make sure you visit that website. We'll get that to you. Uh, Tim, thank you, sir. Well, thank you, Dell. It's been an absolute pleasure and I've really enjoyed our conversation. Well, that's it, my friends. Thanks so much for being with us this week. Do you have some feedback that you'd like to share? Well, please leave a note in the comments section below. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes to get automatic episode updates of the Upgrade Your Life podcast. And finally, please take a minute to leave us an honest review and ratings on iTunes. They really help us out when it comes to the ranking of the show. And I make it a personal point to read every single one of those reviews that we get. So please leave a review. I appreciate it and thanks for listening.